Welcome to the Raw and Uncensored Ambitious Podcast. During our time here together, I will be instilling all of the strength, power, and determination you will need to use the very stones thrown at you to build your ultimate empire. We will redefine the word bitch from the derogatory to the acronym being in total control of herself. So let's adjust our crowns and prepare to live life ambitiously. Oh, uh, yeah, here I am, the original HBIC, Katie motherfucking Boyd. And on today's installment of the Ambitious Podcast, this is going to be the juiciest, the tastiest, the most tell all of all of the Ambitious Podcasts. I'm going to like fuck you up with some truth. I'm going to tell you stories that you've never heard. I'm going to bear my soul because this bitch had some serious burnout. So it's going to be all about how to prevent boss bitch burnout. Oh man, I'm nervous. I'm nervous. You know how nervous I am? I actually, before I was recording this podcast, I was on the phone with my daughter, Karina, and we were talking about work stuff and I had to get off the phone with her because I had bubble guts and then I exploded Mount Vesuvius out of my asshole. I was so nervous because I'm like, and you guys know me, like I just say it like it is. I don't give a fuck, but there's just something about like really going there today. That's kind of like making me feel a little nervous. So bear with me. I'm going to jump around a lot. I'm going to sound a little crazy. I'm going to sound a little Delulu, but that's okay because that's what the Ambitious Podcast is all about. And I think that the best leaders in the world, they truly bear their soul and they just say shit like it is. And I hope that you're ready. So get on your motherfucking rubber underwears because it's going to be a fucking titty curdling ride. That's all I have to say. Okay. So a couple of new things that we're doing here on the Ambitious Podcast, some are kind of like we used to do and then it went away and now we're bringing it back. Um, But the first thing that I want to do is I want to read, I want to read a podcast review on iTunes and it is, it was on July 31st, 2023. So this is a little while back and the little thing at the top said, too much body shaming. Okay. She gave me two stars, which brought my perfect five-star review down to 4.9. But because of all of you beautiful people out there that listen on Apple, you're going to go there. You're going to leave an amazing review because I don't charge for this. I work so hard on this podcast. I've been doing it for six years. We have over 200 episodes now. And Madison... T-A-C-H. I don't know if that's her last name, if that's like, I don't know, if that's like her operative CIA name. But she said, ugh, I really was hoping I would love this podcast. But the degrading body shaming was really sad to hear. Coming from someone who does have some juicy advice, lifting women up doesn't have to include body shaming. Okay. I I don't know when I've ever body shamed anybody. Um, Madison, you probably have some serious issues with your own way that your body looks and how you feel about it, whatever that means to you. I don't know who you are because you're a fucking keyboard warrior 
and you probably have Cheeto dust in your belly button and you probably have your headgear on and you're just downstairs in your mama's basement, just on that keyboard and you're just talking and you're just typing and have no repercussions to what you say. You don't realize that what you do affects other people. Uh, You just don't have to listen. I've never body shamed anyone in my entire life. If you've ever really listened to my story, my whole entire world came from how I was abused and my own body shaming and my own issues with disordered eating. So usually what I do is when people give a podcast review, I thank them by sending them a beautiful gift. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I sent Martha Kyler a beautiful gift in the mail. I hope she's enjoying her, her ambitious swag in, out in Colorado. But Madison, I would love for you to email me and send me your information so I can send you a gift. I'm actually going to um, put a plug in my ass for three days and I'm going to eat like 50 pounds of Mexican food and then I'm just going to shit in a big box and I'm going to send it to wherever you live, which is probably not a mansion, probably um, a trailer park somewhere because anybody who's wealthy and healthy and smart and ambitious doesn't take time out of their busy lives to say such things that aren't even true. Uh, sounds to me like Madison's just a hater. Um, so Madison, email me at help at kbmfc.com so I can get your address so I can take a big, massive steaming shit in a box and send it to your um, Section 8 housing. Okay? Have a nice day, Madison. And now we're going to move on to AKA which is my new favorite segment, which is Ask Katie Anything. And I ask you all out there in ambitious land to take time out of your busy schedules, not like Madison's busy schedule. I'm talking about a real busy schedule. Uh, Take time out of your crazy busy lives to participate in the creation of these podcasts because this is not just me getting on here week after week doing work. It's It's a collective energy. It's a community. So. Susan, she had uh, emailed me a couple of weeks ago and she said to me, you know, Katie, I follow you on social media and um, I'm also part of your app and I have watched you over the years, how busy you are and how much you do in a day. And, you know, I don't even know how you do it. How do you make sure that you don't become burnt out? in the midst of doing all this work. And I wanted to really do a podcast about this because Susan doesn't really know that I actually just recovered and still am recovering from what I'm calling boss bitch burnout. We're going to get into that in a second, what it is. So I'm going to be taking Susan's um, email and turning it into a whole podcast today about boss bitch burnout. So Susan... I appreciate you so much. Please email me at help at kbmfc.com so I can send you a beautiful, ambitious gift in the mail to thank you from the bottom of my little black heart for taking time out of your life to ask this question so that we could have a really nice, beautiful, juicy podcast today. So we're going to get into that in a second. In the meantime, if you scroll down to the show notes and you're ready to join the ambitious community where I go live, I do live coaching, I have tens of thousands of hours of education on there from breath work to sound healing to meal plans to A28P to my 12-week business coaching program to my audio book. I'm talking this thing is pack jammed and you get 
all of these incredible perks by being in the community on the Ambitious app and Mighty Networks. If you are ready to take the leap forward to take your life to the next level and surround yourself with a like-minded community of women from all across the globe, scroll down into the show notes and you can choose to pay monthly or you can choose to get a little bit of a discount and pay for the year in full. But I promise you the things that are happening over there are so fucking epic. No one in this coaching industry is doing nearly as much as I'm doing. Probably that's why I had boss bitch burnout too, which we're going to get into that in a second. And then you can also scroll down into the show notes to get your code for 50% off your first order of Life Boost Coffee. That's what I'm drinking right now. It's delumptious. I get the dark roast. And in the later in the afternoon when I'm filming this podcast, um, I like to put a little bit of half and half, organic half and half, and a stevia and a little bit of collagen. And I just touch myself lightly while I drink it. So if you are ready to stop drinking poopy doopy coffee, Life Boost is your bitch. Hold on, I need a sip. Mm. Delumptious. It's getting me pumped. Okay, so before we get into it, I'm gonna pull a card. This is, people are loving this and I love doing it too. So these cards are epic. They are called the witch oracle card. So woman in total control of herself comes in this beautiful box with this beautiful book and the cards are incredible. They're all gilded gold on the side. They're beautiful. And the pictures are just incredible. So anytime that you use oracle cards, you want to knock out the old energy of the card. So all you have to do is just hit them on the top, hit them on the bottom. That's all. Then just shuffle them up. As you guys know, I'm the worst shuffler in the world. I'm never going to get a job anywhere in Vegas ever. So you'll never see me standing behind a craps table or any of that shit. I don't even know what it is. I don't gamble. I've never gambled in my life. I've pulled a few slot machines back in my day, but that was just because I got free drinks when I was actually drinking alcohol years and years and years ago. Okay, so let's pull a card. And let's see if this card aligns with in any way what we're going to be talking about today on the Boss Bitch Burnout Podcast. Okay, y'all ready? (laughs) If you're not driving, close your eyes. Take a nice deep cleansing breath together. Settle in. God, goddess, universal life force energy. All of our guardians and guides and loved ones who are no longer here on this three-dimensional earth plane and all of our ancestors who came before us and our family of galactic beings of light surround each one of us and fill up our vessels with your light and your love and your ancient wisdom. Give us the message that we collectively desire today that aligns with what we will be talking about today on the Ambitious Podcast. Inspire us, motivate us, slap some sense into us, whatever we are needing collectively. In Jesus' name, amen, and thank you in advance, and so it is. Okay, let's see which card I'm feeling today. All right. Okay, this is the one. Let's see what it says. Oh, my God. (gasps) I've never pulled this card, guys. Woo! If you're watching on YouTube, it's the number one card. It's actually the witch card. I'm fucking pumped for this because I've never pulled this card before. Oh, okay. Let's see what it says. Y'all ready? Okay. Let me open my book and then I'll channel a little bit and then we're going to get into the the nitty gritty. Oh, this is good. This is good. Where are you, bitch? Here we go. Okay. 
Good Lord. All right, y'all ready? Here we go. Control. No woman alive today needs a dictionary to know what control means within a toxic patriarchy. I already have chills. My nipples are so hard they could cut glass right now because I know what I'm about to talk to you guys about. She's experienced it a thousand different ways before she's hit puberty. It's alive in the curves of her psyche, in the expanse of her hips, in the marrow of her bones. It is the domination and restraint. But in a balanced psyche and in a balanced culture, control can mean something else entirely. A witch, woman in total control of herself, experiences control through cooperation rather than competition. She's engaged with all the parts of her psyche in an attempt to coordinate rather than dominate. You are being asked right now to embrace all the inhabitants of your inner realm because each deserves respect and a place at the table. Even the unruly, the inconvenient, the ugly, making space for all under the banner of wild inclusion and giving voice to the shame, malice, and anger, as well as every other outlawed part of the psyche, is the way that we create integrity, ensuring that no part of our inner realm is involved with factions, divisions, or rebellions. When your intent is to create rather than to compete, you don't have to dominate. Your influence is enough. This is power with rather than power over. Invite whatever is bothering you today into the realm of inclusion and assert your authority. This is so fucking good and it's so on point with what we're going to be talking about today, boss bitch burnout. The reason why we get burnt out is because we are constantly, collectively, as a whole, women across the globe. We are constantly in a state of competition and not creation. I myself have been in this for a very long time. That's why I have received this slap in the back of the head, being burnt out and actually being so burnt out to the point where I didn't want to do anything anymore. I wanted to give up everything. I wanted to give up my, my companies. I wanted to, you know, I said to Matt, I go, I just want to be a stay at home dog mom. And he was like, I don't know why you don't like, you don't have to work. And I was like, well, what would I do? I'd be so bored. God put me on this earth to inspire people, to motivate them, to speak truth, to rattle cages, to slap sense into people figuratively, sometimes and physically, depending on who I'm dealing with. And that's why I wanted to come here today. And that's why I wanted to talk so honestly and openly about my life and why I'm the way I am and how I am recovering from boss bitch burnout. So we're going to get into it right now. I hope you like that card pull and BTW. Those cards will be available uh, very soon. They're in limited edition. So if you would like to buy a deck of those cards, there's only like five or six left. Just reach out to me at help at kbmc.com and I will get you the link to purchase your cards and I'll ship them to you. Okay. All right. Let me take a sip of water because this one's going to be wild. All right. I'm going to start like when the burnout happened and then I'm going to go backwards. So 
I think people look at people like me, and I'm and I'm using my quotation fingers, okay, because I don't look at myself like this. But I think people look at people like me, and they're like, "Wow, she's just got it like all figured out," and I fucking don't. Now, will I give myself some props and actually say I have a lot of tools that I've procured and acquired over the years that are going to make me better to pull myself out of shit quicker? Yes, absolutely. Do I have a very supportive, loving community around me? Yes, absolutely. Do I have a relationship with my husband where he's my ally and he's going to be like, bitch, what are you doing? Yes, absolutely. But it wasn't until right after the pandemic that I really hit a wall. So let me go back to the very beginning. If you haven't already purchased my book, Ambitious, go down to the show notes and get the hardcover. You can also experience the audiobook on my app. It's the only place where you can experience the audiobook um, on the Ambitious app. But I talk a lot about this in my book. And my dad, this is so cool. I'm so happy about this. Like, I can't tell you, but my dad is coming on the podcast because he wants to talk about his addiction and his alcoholism and how he got clean and how he got sober and just be an inspiration for anyone out there that is dealing with the same thing. So when I speak, I want you guys to understand that when I talk about my family and when I talk about people that I've been friends with or had relationships with, it's never to tell their story for them. It's to tell my experience because, right, what do they say there? There's three sides to every story, right? There's their story, there's my story, and then there's the truth. So I'm only telling you my experience and my story from my side of the fence, okay? When I wrote my book a couple years ago, and I and I write about this um, in the book, in one of the chapters where I talk about how the how I didn't speak to my family for almost three years. And that was like the hardest three years of my life, which I think also led to burnout. There's so many layers to the story. But I spoke about my mom and my dad in my book, not to hurt them or like embarrass them or blow up their spot or anything like that. It was really because I I deeply desire people to understand like I didn't come with a silver spoon in my mouth. So if I can be a seven-figure earner and I can be you know, a celebrity in my own right, having a television show, traveling the world, doing all these incredible things. What I'm saying to you is you can do anything. If I can do it, you can do it. So that's why I tell my story in such a way. So for all of you out there that are like, oh my God, you shouldn't talk about your family like that. You know, I wish I had a mother. Like I have people, they'll email me like, you shouldn't talk about your mother like that. Like, I wish my mother wasn't dead. You'll be sorry when your mother dies. I'm like, oh my God, dude, you don't get it. You obviously don't fucking get it. But again, we're going to go back to Madison, the keyboard warrior, where there's so many fucking people out there that don't understand what's actually happening in the world because they're so deep in their own shit and they're so fucking stupid and they're so uneducated that they just jerk themselves off in a corner all fucking day long. You know, and I'm not a corner jerker offer, if you know what I mean. I'm a fucking in your face type of bitch. And a lot of that, um, I'm going to be honest with you. A lot of my persona is an act to keep myself safe. And I'm going to talk about this. So I want to first disclaimer, this is my point of view. This is no one else's point of view. Um, 
So don't fuck with me about it. I don't want to hear you. I don't want to, I'm not going to read your emails. I'm not going to read all your shit. Okay. It's just fuck off. If you don't like it, don't listen to the fucking podcast. I don't really give a fuck. I know my numbers. I know who listens. And if you don't like what I have to say, then you're delusional anyways. And I don't want you here. Okay. So don't be talking shit to my mother and father either, or my sister or whomever. And like, oh, did you hear what they, she said about you on the podcast? It's like, shut the fuck up. Because I know people are just like, they, are, they hate their lives so much that they want to try to fucking throw a wrench in mine. It's not going to happen. So I'm going to go back to the very beginning. From the time that I was young, I remember my house and like the way I grew up. So like my schooling, my family life, my home life, um, my caregivers around me, everything was like very chaotic. Okay. There were days that were like beautiful and loving and kind and wonderful and happy. And there were days where it was like scary and sad and abusive and chaotic. And, you know, for a young child, it probably wasn't like the best environment to grow up in. Okay. My dad dealt with alcoholism and addiction. Now that I'm older and I have a, such a close relationship with my family and we've had these really deep conversations about it, I understand like why my dad became an addict, why he started drinking to like numb the way he felt. Um, I'm not going to tell his story. I'm going to wait for my mom and dad to come on the podcast so that they can tell their, their stories here because I just don't like to tell people's stories. But my dad had a lot of... A lot of horrible things happened to him in his childhood. He lost his brother in a motorcycle accident. Again, I'm not going to tell my dad's story, but um, we'll wait for him to come on the podcast. But now I'm 40, I'm 42 years old, going on 43 years old. And I've had these like really deep, like heartfelt conversations with my parents. And now like I understand like why they are the way that they are and why they were the way that they were because my, now my parents are very different now. So when I was growing up, I grew up in an environment where it was like one day it was like lovey-dovey and so fun and abundant and like, you know, goofy and laughs and all that. And then the next day it could be like, dad's drinking, he's coming home, he's getting into like physical fights with my mom. Um, and I'm not just talking about like physical fights, like, you know, little tiny like squabbles. I'm talking about like World War Three, furniture being broken. Um, <laughs> people being tossed around, like Christmas trees going over. Uh, it was not good. And I remember like one day my dad came home like from a bender and my mom, my mom is like this little pit bull. You know, my mom, if you guys have ever st stood next to me, I'm five, nine, I'm a big bitch. My dad's six, two. My mom is a pip squeak. She's a, only a little tiny thing. She's four eleven, but she's a pit bull. And she was just scrappy. Like I get a lot of my mouth from my mom, just like very scrappy and aggressive. And like, that's good in a lot of ways. It will help you in a lot of ways, but it can hold you back in a lot of ways too. And so my dad came home from a bender and I remember him, I was little, I was probably like five. Uh, my dad came up the stairs and my mom just started on him like, and he's like, fuck you. Like I'm out of here. Like I'll walk. Cause where we lived, there was like a bar, a couple blocks down that he used to go to. And my mom's like, you certainly will not fucking leave this house again. And my mom used to collect like Canadian geese. Remember like back in like the eighties, like everything was like kind of country core. And like my mom, everything was like country and like primitive. And like, 
she had a Canadian geese collection, but my mother had this fucking Canadian goose. It was literally the size of Manhattan. It was made out of wood, solid wood and cork. It probably weighed, and I'm not even trying to make you laugh, like 30 pounds, okay? I just remember my little mother, my dad sitting at the top of the stairs. We had like a raised ranch. And so like, you know, in a raised ranch style home, you like walk up the stairs and you can walk down the stairs to go in the basement and walk up the stairs to go like to the first floor, the second, like the top floor or whatever. My dad was sitting on the top of the stairs, putting his work boots back on because he's like, fuck you, bitch. I'm out of here. Like, I'm going to (laughs) go keep drinking. I don't want to be here listening to your fucking shit. And my mom picked this Canadian goose up and I was just, I don't even think my sister was born. And if she was born, she was little because my sister and I are about four years apart. So she could have been in a crib. She might not even have been born. I can't remember. But she, my mother picked this fucking goose up and my mother, she picked it up and put it over her head. Like you see like a fucking, some villain like got to kill something in a movie. And she smashed my father over that head, over his head with that goose with all her fucking might and split his fucking head open blood everywhere. Like it was melee. And then what would happen was the next day it was like nothing happened. So I'm like, fuck, like, what do I do? Like, are they happy? Are they sad? Are they going to kill each other? What's going to happen? So as a child, and I'm not going to, tell all these sob stories because I don't want you to be like, I'm not playing the victim here. I want you guys to understand like why I'm fucking burnt out. And, and I bet so many of you out here that are listening to me and, or sharing this podcast with other people that probably went through similar experiences are probably in the same burnout cycle as I have been because it's layers on top of layers on top of layers and years on top of years on top of years of shit that is just accumulated in our lives. And then one day we wake up and it just all is just too much. And we just can't hold the space anymore. We just can't hold the energetic vibrational frequency grid. And we do bad things to ourselves, which I will talk about in a second. So when I was a little girl, what what would happen to me is like these things would always happen. And so I didn't like to go out. I didn't like to sleepovers. I didn't like to go to other people's homes because I felt like as like a five or six-year-old that I am the reason why my parents are doing this. I'm the reason why my dad's my dad drinks and does drugs. I'm the reason why my mother is like a violent maniac. I have to be perfect because if I'm perfect, then they won't fight and they won't have their addiction. And that's how little children, that's how little children think. Okay. So for all of you out there that are just like fighting with your husbands or whatever, and you're doing all this shit in front of your kids, you are fucking them up. So cut the shit, like get a divorce or go to a therapist or find a fucking healer or something because you're fucking up your kids. I'm telling you, and your kids are going to end up doing a podcast about you when they're older, if podcasts are still a thing. So when I was little, what happened was I was like, okay, I have to be perfect because if I'm perfect, then my parents won't fight. My dad won't drink and my mom won't be like what, loco 40. Okay. So what would I do? I would put on like shows. I was, I would speak like an adult, you know, like my mom would have parties with all her girlfriends and I would be like sitting there like seven years old, like having like adult conversations, like articulating the way I do now. Um, I would go into my room, like when my parents would fight and I would clean everything like psychotically meticulously, like I would rip my whole room apart and I would rearrange everything. And I would like put all my clothes like on hangers, like perfectly 
and I would do my hair. And like, as I got older, you know, I would do my hair and I would do my makeup. And then I started doing pageants and then I started winning pageants. And I was like, oh my God, if I win these pageants or if I do good and do well in school or I do this or I do that, then my parents won't be this way, which is not fucking true. But that's how children think. That's how their brain mechanisms of their brain work. Right? So when you're living in this home of chaos and addiction and fighting and abuse and screaming, and it wasn't just my mom and dad, like my mom had like half brothers and sisters that would come over and they would fight with my mother. I remember my uncle coming and beating the shit out of my mother in front of me, like multiple times, like smashing her head off of um, the fireplace in my house. I remember my mom getting into fist fights with my aunt because when my grandmother was passing away, my mother was her primary caregiver and my aunt who has now passed, um, my mom would say like, hey, can you come and watch mom so I can go run some errands and get some groceries? And then my aunt would be like, yeah. And then she would like show up to the house and she's like, I'm not watching mom. I'm going on a date. And then like, I remember this is kind of funny, but my mom was like making pasta sauce and she was chopping peppers. And my mom, my aunt came in and she looked like, you know, the whore of the town. She was like dressed to the nines, like full fucking hair, full contoured makeup in the eighties. You know what I'm talking about? with her like Marlboro 100, like hanging out of her mouth. And she's like, I'm not watching my, I got a hot date tonight. And my mom was like, oh, fucking no, you don't. And my mom took the pepper with all the seeds and just like smashed it in her hair and like fucked her hair up and fucked her makeup up. And I was like, oh my God. Um, her, her children would come over. They were drug addicts. They One, one of them actually OD'd in my house when I was younger. Um, just really fucking crazy shit, Okay. So my safe space was with my Nana, my grandmother, whose name my dog is named after. She was like my saving grace. I remember being at her house when I was a little girl. And I was probably, again, like five or six years old. And it was right around Christmas time. I remember it was snowing. Isn't it crazy how like you remember, like you can't remember what you ate for breakfast today, but you remember like these weird things when from your childhood. And so I was sleeping upstairs in my grandmother's house and my grandmother came upstairs and she goes, oh, Katie Elizabeth. Santa Claus is downstairs sleeping on the couch. And I was like, what? Santa Claus? Well, yes. Hashtag why I hate Christmas. No core wounding there. And I walked downstairs. And I remember from going upstairs in my little like rainbow bright, you know, onesie pajamas with the feet, like walking downstairs, like rubbing the sleepy seeds out of my eyes and walking to the bottom step and just like the smell of the bottom of a bar room. You know that smell when you're you know, when you have like a night, like a bender and you like leave your bedroom and you come back in and you're like, fuck, it smells like bourbon and fucking hurt feelings in here. I just remember that smell, like the bottom of a bar room, like the floor of a bar room or the speed well of a bar, like with all the, you know, rotten milk and the rotten orange juice smell and like all the different like liquors mixed together. And I walked around the corner to see Santa Claus and it was my dad drunk as a skunk, passed out on the couch. Um, him and my mom had gotten into a fight. She kicked him out of the house. He walked all the way to my grandmother's house, which was like miles in the snow. I don't even know how the, my dad has like fucking nine lives or some shit because I could tell you fucking stories that would make your fucking head spin. My dad's just like, he's one of the strongest, toughest guys that I know. Like ask my husband too. He's always like, your dad is so tough. He really is so tough. But I like looked at my grandmother like, bitch, what? Are you kidding me? This is my dad and he's drunk. Like, don't wake me from my slumber again to like try to bamboozle me to think that Santa Claus is downstairs on the couch. 
And I just remember walking upstairs and being like, what the fuck is this? Like, I remember being a little kid being like, this is not how people are supposed to live. And I don't know how I knew that, but I just knew that this was not how I was, how people are supposed to live. I knew it wasn't healthy. And I vowed to myself when my brain could think this way, like I will never allow myself to live that way. I will never, ever do it. So when you live in a household and when you're surrounded by people who are supposed to keep you safe, and then you realize that like you have to be perfect to get love, you have to be perfect to get attention, you have to win, you have to produce, you have to do things to get love. Because, and I know now when I was, now that I'm older, I know that my mom and dad loved me unconditionally, but when I was a child, I didn't feel like that was true. So I would do things because I thought you had to produce to be loved. You guys see where I'm going with this? <laughs> so what happened, and now after years of therapy, years and years of like doing my work, I've realized that my attachment style is fearful avoidant. I want to get this woman, her name is Thais Gibson on the podcast. I'm going to reach out to her because I've been following her stuff on YouTube. It's incredible. And I never realized like why as an adult, I have these fucked up hangups. Like one is, uh, my number one core wound is fear of abandonment. My other core wound is fear of betrayal. Like I hate lying. I hate betrayal. Um, there's nothing worse than you can do to me. Like you can fucking pull my fingernails out with pliers. I would rather that than have someone betray me or lie to me. And I never understood why lying and betrayal was so deeply wound. Like, like the wound was so deep. And now thinking about all the things that I went through in my life, like why that is, it all comes from my childhood. So let's like move on a little bit. So then as I got older, um, I would always, I kept on doing things for approval. Like everything had to be measured. Everything was a competition. Like from like getting like best dressed superlatives or like best car in high school or like being, you know, a pageant girl and winning crowns or being homecoming queen or being the president of my class or, you know, playing sports and trying to do well, even though I wasn't very sporty, um, or doing theater and getting like the lead roles or singing and chorus and getting, you know, leads in our, you know, chorus ac activities or our, uh, choral concerts or whatever. I always had to be competing with someone and I always had to have like an arch nemesis. Like I always had to have someone that was like the bad guy in my story. That was like a thing. And that bad guy was the fuel that always made me have like this competitive spirit. Like it wasn't just like, oh, I'm going to do this for myself because this feels good. It was always like, I have to do this so that someone else can't get it. I have to do this so I'm better than people. I have to do this to prove my worth because if I'm all these things. If I'm beautiful and thin and smart and funny and charismatic and I have all these accolades, then people will finally love me. People won't abandon me. People won't betray me. They won't hurt me. They won't lie to me, which none of that is fucking true. But again, you get stuck in this programming from your childhood wounding as you grow and evolve. So 
it's almost like, and this is why I do a lot of inner child healing on my app. I speak about it a lot in my, in my book. There's actually inner child healing in my book that you can do. And there's journal prompts and all this amazing stuff because you, you have to pinpoint when the faulty programming started so that you can deprogram the faulty programming. Does this make sense? I hope that you're shaking your head out there in ambitious land. And, you're, and even if you didn't go through what I went through, I'm sure that you had your own wounding and your own stuff that you know you, fucked you up. Okay, no one, no one had a perfect childhood. I don't give a shit who who you were. So then, as I got older and I went through high school, I also was thinking back too. Sorry, I'm bouncing around, but this you know things are just coming quickly into my mind because I really didn't want to write a script. I wanted this podcast to really come from my heart. I started working when I was like really young. So I was like going to school full time, dealing with like all this chaos in my house, dealing with all of this programming and and fear and like survival. You know, I was constantly in a state of fight and flight. Now I realize there's also freeze and fawn, but mostly I'm a I'm a fight or flight type person, mostly fight. <laughs> now I'm older, I kind of isolate more, so it's more flight. Um and sometimes freeze just evolves as you, as you age. But I think of like, wow, okay. So all this shit's going on in my house. It's fucking crazy. 24 seven. My parents were dealing with so much with their businesses and addiction and anger and just terrible stuff. And then I start working, whether it's like babysitting the neighbor's kids or like, I remember I used to do like crafts and I would like sell them in my front yard. I'm not even joking you. Like it's hilarious. I think back and I like, I, I used, I, got a pretty penny for some of my little things that I made. Like I would make these really beautiful like wreaths for like Christmas and Easter and things like that. And I put up a little clothesline in my front yard in between these two trees. And I would like put them all out there and like people that would drive by would like stop and buy them. They were really good. My mom sent me to craft school when I was a little kid, like this craft class. And I actually learned how to get really good at it. So everything that you see on my Instagram or whatever in, in my house, like I do everything. I don't buy anything. I do all of my own crafts. I do all my own like home decor. Like I don't have anybody that helps me. Thanks mom. I appreciate that. So I was like thinking, I was like, wow, I always had a job. And then even like when I was in high school, I worked at clubs. So I had fake ID and I would work at like this local club in Taunton. And then they also owned clubs in Boston. So like sometimes on the weekends I would go up to Boston and I'd work at the clubs in Boston. Um, and then I would like work all night and then I would go to like after hours party when I was like 17 years old. And then I would like go to school the next day, literally in my leather pleather, like rubber pants and like a see-through shirt with like a black bra underneath with like last night's makeup smelling like fucking cigarettes because people could like smoke in the club. Probably was half drunk in high school. And I was still like homecoming queen, president of my class, Miss Taunton. <laughs> I don't even know how I did it. Then when I got out of school, I was going to college and I was like working like a dog. I was working at a gym uh, full time. I was working at strip clubs. Um, I was working at clubs. I was doing like odd and end jobs and stuff. And I was making a lot of money, but I was working like going to school full time and working full time and then like also competing in pageants, working out like three hours a day to get my body in shape to actually be competitive at that, at that caliber. And then it's crazy because 
I always had like really nice boyfriends. Like I didn't really have like asshole boyfriends. There was like one asshole in, in high school, but he, like now I think of like what real asshole shit is. And I'm like, oh, he was actually nice compared to. But I met this guy who was a professional bodybuilder. He actually owned a gym and I worked for him. And honestly, I'm so grateful to him because he taught me so much about working out and food and exercise, which actually sparked my real love for like health and wellness. And so that's what I ended up majoring in, in college, in university. But when I first met him, he was much older than me. He was like 14 years older than me. And I was just like infatuated with him. Like he was very handsome. He had like a nice car. Um, he owned, he owned the gym. He was like really masculine and like really tough. And, and I just felt like, I don't know if this is was true then or whatever, but how I, I think about it a lot now and I'm like, why was I so attracted to him? And I was like, I think it was become I because I came from a home that my dad was dealing with so many demons that I just really wanted so bad to have like this male protective role model around me. And so I was very attracted to in my early 20s, my late teens, early 20s to like very masculine men. But now knowing what divine masculine is, my husband is divine masculine. Um, he was definitely toxically masculine. So the first like year of our relationship was actually like fine. And then I'll never forget like the first time he ever put his hands on me. Um, we were fighting in his in his bedroom Oh, I don't even remember what the hell it was about. It was so long ago. And he punched me as hard as he could in my upper thigh. And I was like, why would you hit someone there? Like you can hit them in the face. You can hit them anywhere. But then I started to realize as I stayed in the relationship for four more years that he would do that because no one would see the bruises and no one would see like the discoloration of the skin and the welts and the the eggs, right? So I remember... Um, right after that first thing happened, I told my mom and I was at my cousin Linda's house, like having coffee in her backyard and I couldn't sit on that side of my body. And she, my mom was like, show Linda what he did to you. And I showed her and Linda was like, you got to get out because Linda was in an abusive relationship in the past. And she's like, they will not stop. It will get worse from here. And I was like, what do you know? You don't know anything. You know, you're 21 years old. You don't fucking know what you're doing. So I stayed with him for four more years. In the time that I stayed with him, I worked probably 90 hours a week. I went to school full time. I was Miss New Bedford. I was Miss Bristol County. I was Miss, I can't remember, Fall River. And I was doing, I was drinking a lot. Um, I was partying a lot with really seedy people. I was doing a lot of performance enhancing drugs. So you guys know that I did a lot of steroids. I did growth hormone. I did terrible things to my body. I used to drink liquid G to go to sleep at night because um, I would work out three hours a day. I was deadlifting, you know, like 350 pounds, like crazy ass shit. And there were so many, and he was so abusive. He wasn't just physically abusive. I actually think that the physical abuse was nothing compared to like the mental and emotional abuse. Now knowing and going through therapy and going through all my healing, I was with a gaslighting, abusive, in every way, shape, and form narcissist. And I'm not sticking up for him by any means. He can fucking rot in hell. But knowing what I know now and thinking of like his upbringing and his childhood, he was abused. 
And I'll never forget, we got to a fist fight one day, like legit. And he was a big motherfucker. Um, we got to a fist fight one day and he pinned me down on my on the bed and he bit my nose. Like he put his mouth around my nose and I was pouring blood and I had teeth marks all over my face. And then I was like, who the fuck bites someone in the nose? Like what? And this is like before, like, um, what's his name? Mike Tyson, like bit Evander Holyfield's ear off. And I was like, what the fuck? Who, what crazy motherfucker bites the woman that he loves nose? Like, this is wild. And like days later, when I could actually come out of the house, cause I was so fucking bruised and cut up. I was talking to his brother and he was like, you know, my mom used to do that to him when he was a little kid. And I was like, oh fuck. Okay. So can you imagine going to school full time, coming from the childhood I came from, trying to do everything from competition and approval and love, being in this abusive relationship, working 90 hours a week, working out three hours a day, um, shooting myself up with needles that had been used four and five and six times. They were so fucking dull. I couldn't even get them through my skin with shit that I don't even know where it came from. You know, I was on all kinds of steroids and that's what everyone did. I just, I thought it was normal. Like everyone, they're all bodybuilders. I'm trying to be competitive in this, in this pageant world. Like I have to do this too, you know? And it got progressively worse. And so I was keeping up this lifestyle for years. No one knew that it was going on until the, until the shit starts to hit the fan. And so, um, one day we all had motorcycles and we did this like bike run for something, some kind of fundraiser. And the bike run got washed out. It was a rainy day. And we all went out into this bar and we were drinking and partying and having fun or whatever. And, um, this guy, he used to smoke cigars and he was in my brand new car and he touched by accident. He touched the ceiling of my car that I had just bought and it burned a fucking hole in the ceiling. And I was like, what the fuck? And I was drunk and I just kind of kept like egging him on like my mother would do to my father. <laughs> Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And we were at our house that we lived in together. There was about 10 people there, like some of his guy friends, some of my girlfriends. And I'll never forget, like, it was around Christmas time. That's why I hate Christmas. It was around Christmas time. And I had this big red candle burning um, in the living room. And he said, you fucking say that one more time. I'm going to kick this fucking candle at you. And I was like, he will never do this in front of these people. Oh, well, he did. And red wax went all over my house, all over me, burned me, burned my friends. And my friends were like, we're fucking out of here, dude. He, this motherfucker's crazy. They left me and all I remember, I remember them walking out the door of my house and he picked me up by my throat, dragged me like a cave woman into our walk-in closet and he got on top of me and he choked me and it wasn't to choke me, like scare me. He was trying to fucking kill me and it took him, uh, it took his brother, who's a big dude too, and two of his bodybuilder friends who are massive motherfuckers, like powerlifters, to pry him off of me. I was pretty much dead. I was blue. I had hand marks around my throat. And I left. I went to a girlfriend's house just to stay for like a couple days because I didn't want to go home to my mother's house because I didn't want her to tell me I told you so. And I also didn't want to go back to the chaos that was happening there at the time. So I went to my girlfriend's house and then like a couple days later I came home and um, I went into the house, you know, whatever. And the fucking house is a shamble. And we lived on this like lake, uh, not on a lake. We lived on a, like a little, I guess like a stream or a river. I think it's a river. Um, 
and it, our back porch like overlooked this river. And I remember sitting on my back porch and I was looking out into the river and I was just like, what am I going to do, dude? Like, I don't know what to do. I don't, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. He controls my money. He controls everything and controls my friend group. He controls where I work out. He controls the narrative. He controls everything. And he came home with this beautiful bouquet of flowers. And he's like, you know, I'm really sorry. I, I don't know what came over me. I, I'll never do that again to you, blah, 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 whatever. I was just like, oh my God, so distraught. And then he had to go to work. And I went to go look in the flowers because you know how like in bouquets of flowers, you can put like a little card, but I don't think he knew that there was like a card in there because it wasn't signed. It was like deep, deep, deep down into the flowers. So maybe like someone just put them in there by accident, this card in there by accident. But listen, nothing is coincidental and nothing is by accident, right? So I looked at the card. I was like, oh, he gave me a card. That's so nice. <laughs> and in the card was this, in the envelope was this little card and it just said, get well soon. And it was like, God was speaking to me like, what are you doing, bitch? And that was like in the late fall around like Thanksgiving-ish time. And from that day on, I said, I will get well soon, motherfucker. And I started planning like my exit, my escape. So I started like saving money and doing all these different things. And it was New Year's Eve, 2004. And he was out all day doing something. I don't remember. And I was like, I'm fucking out of here. I cannot go into a new year like this. I can't. Like, I love him. I thought I did. Now I know what love is. I didn't know what love was back then. But I was like, I love him. But like, I love myself more. And I was sneaking out of the house. <laughs> God sakes, this is so funny. I had I had gone to Whole Foods or whatever like a week before and I had like those, no, sometimes at Whole Foods, those paper bags, they like double wrap them. And I had put all my shower shit, like, you know, like my loofah and like my toothbrush, like all the wet stuff. I don't know what I was thinking. I think I was just like in a fucking mental, like I gotta get out of here kind of state. And I had packed like just what I needed and I packed in that bag, like all my like little wet, like face wash and shit like that. And I started sneaking out down the stairs. And we lived in like this kind of like a duplex apartment, but it was like there was someone that lived downstairs and was someone lived across the hall from us. And then we lived in like the back part of the house. And so when you enter the house, it was like these stairs that were just like wood. They weren't even like nice. They were like plywood. They had never been finished. And I'm like walking down the stairs and he comes around the corner. I'm like, fuck, I'm fucking found out. Fuck, I'm, this is going to be bad. He goes, where the fuck do you think you're going? And I'm like, I'm leaving you. Like, I'm out of here. I can't do, I can't go into a new year like this. And I'll, he took me by the back of the neck and he threw me down the stairs. And I just remember feeling like, like my skin on my back, you know, when like you scrape your knee, but like my whole back was like accordion, like the skin. And I stood up and I got my fucking Whole Foods bag and the whole bottom of the Whole Foods bag, the fucking ass just dropped out of it and all my shit went all over the fucking ground and I'm just standing there covered like fucking blood in my back with my broken bag and my little stupid like overnight bag and I just looked at him and I was like you will never fucking touch me again so I hope that you really enjoyed yourself so I moved back to it with my mom and dad for like a month and I was planning to move to Boston and I had in the middle of this met this other guy who you know, would be like, why are you with this guy? He's such a fucking loser. You're so much better than that. You're beautiful. You're smart. You're talented. You're all these things. And I was not attracted to this guy at all. Like there was like no attraction at all. And my mom would be like, he's a really nice guy. Like, why don't you go out with him? He's a nice guy. Like, 
you don't have to marry the guy. Like just it's a free meal. Like just go out with him. Just like get a get a bite to eat. Like have like a normal conversation with like a normal guy. And he worked on me and my mom worked on me. And everyone's like, you know, he's a nice guy. Just go out with him, whatever. So I move home with my mom. And then I I don't start like dating this guy. Like it was, I guess, dating. I mean, I I went out to dinner with him here and there, but I was fucking mentally not well. So it was not a good situation. And I was just like so fucking fucked up mentally that I think anyone could have like taken advantage of me. Now, I moved to Boston and like a week later, my mom calls me and she's like, my car is totaled. And I'm like, what do you mean your fucking car is totaled? And she goes, um, I'm not going to say the person's name, but your ex-boyfriend came and broke the windshield of my car and threw three buckets of dead fish into my car. Like the chum, like, I don't know if you guys know what chum is, but it's like dead fish guts and shit. It's like how you get like tuna, like if you go tuna fishing. And then my mom caught him on camera and then he would call me and my mom, my little niece, she was a baby at the time, um, was my sister lived in my parents downstairs and he would call me and say, you know, I know where your niece sleeps. I'm going to throw a Molotov cocktail through this, like through the window. I'm going to burn the house down. And he would say, oh, do you like what I did to your mom's car? Like it was so fucking scary. I was living in Boston at that point. And I was like, I have to get a fucking restraining order against this guy because he's never going to fucking stop. He's never going to fucking stop. And so I did. And it was horrible. And I'm not going to get into the fucking rigmarole with that. But it was terrible. So then I started seeing this other guy, the one that my mom was like, he's a nice guy. Go out with him. I went out with him for maybe two and a half, three years. Uh, (laughs) This is a whole story for a fucking different day. But pretty much what happened to me was... I was seeing him. He was actually cheating on me with one of the girls that I, one of the girls that I coached in the pageant industry who was underage. They ended up getting married, having kids together. I guess I've heard through the grapevine that they're divorced now. Duh, obviously. I'm actually happy for her because if I went through the shit I went through and I was tough ass bitch, I can only imagine the things that this poor girl went through. So God bless you out there. I'm glad that you got away from that. But this was the most, this motherfucker gaslit me so much to the point where I actually thought I was losing my mind. Like one day he said that he put $10,000 in my house and that it was gone. And I was like, why would you leave $10,000 in my apartment and not tell me? And I ripped my fucking house apart. And he's like, if you don't find this money, I'm going to fucking kill you. And I'm like, I don't know. I didn't even know the money was in my house. And there was this um, beautiful papyrus picture that he had bought me from Egypt and I was going to have it framed and it was rolled up in this like long tube. And I had taken the tube when I tell you 10 fucking times and shook it upside down and put my arm all the way in it and pulled the picture out. And I was like, it's definitely not in there. And then I went in another room and he went into my bedroom where the thing was. And he was like, Oh, I found it. It's in this tube. I'm like, no, you didn't. I looked through that seven times. It was not in the fucking tube. And then I was like, maybe it was in the tube because When you're with someone who's a gaslighting narcissist, you actually get brain damage from it, okay? I have to take a sip of water. This is getting serious. You actually get brain damage from being with someone like that. And that's just like one thing he did to me. I mean, this was like an on-fucking-going thing. And then to find out he was cheating on me the whole time with one of my most loved pageant girls who I adored. I did everything for this girl. 
I was so fucking embarrassed. And now mind you, at the at the moment, at this moment, I am the official coach for Miss Universe, Miss USA, Miss America. I'm right about to start filming my television show, Wicked Fit, that was on E! and Style and Bravo. My life is falling apart. I'm drinking every day like a fucking animal. I'm working 100 hours a week. I am right about to film a television show that's going to be syndicated all across the globe. My boyfriend of three or whatever years, just I just found out that he's been fucking cheating on me with a 17-year-old woman. <laughs> I was a fucking mess, okay? Now, I start filming Wicked Fit. We're broken up. I'm single. I'm just like, fuck it. I'm so done with men. Now, Matt, my husband now, was introduced to me via the phone by one of my close friends, Marjan. And he pretty much, for over a year, tried dating me. And I was like, I want nothing to do with dick. I want, I don't want nothing to do with men. I fucking hate men. I am going to be like asexual for the rest of my life. I just want to like make money, be rich, have freedom, um, do my thing. I didn't want, I didn't want it. You guys know my story about how I met Matt. I'm not going to get into that and waste everyone's time, but pretty much a year went by. I had already been broken up with the other asshole for a couple of months. I was like sworn off to men. And then, you know, Matt's like, I really want to date you. Like, I know that we're, you're going to be my wife. And I was like, shut the fuck up. Like, whatever. Well, as you guys know, that ended up happening. Then we start filming my TV show. In the midst of this TV show, my ex would send women to be extras on my show to spy on me, to fuck up scenes. This is a true story. (laughs) The woman that he ended up marrying was actually on my show as well. They would call um, NBC Universal to try to pull every scene that she was in out of the television show and threaten the network. I had a woman who uh, made me sign a contract when I was hammered to give her 20% of all the money that I made from my television show. So I had to fight that. I had women coming out of the woodwork suing me because they had a similar name to my company and that now because I had a television show, I was rich. So everyone was coming left and right. That cost me $100,000 to get rid of all these people, even though I could have fought it in court, but I just wanted people to go away. The show comes out. No one gets you ready for what is about to fucking happen to you. The fucking bloggers and the you people making fun of you on Instagram and people making fun of you on fucking Twitter and Facebook and people starting, you know, YouTube videos about how fat you are and how you look like a tranny. You know how many times that I got called a tranny when I was doing Wicked Fit? People had like hate groups out there about my body, how fat I was, how I looked like a tranny, all these things. Now, I wish that I had my television show now because none of this shit would happen because now you can't say boo to, about this kind of shit to anybody who get canceled. But back then, that was normal everyday life. I was eating Adderall. I was smoking two packs of cigarettes a day. I don't even know what my husband saw in me. Um, I was like wasting away to nothing. You should see some of the pictures of me like at the end of filming my show. I was like so small and sick looking. 
Everyone was calling me a tranny. Everyone was making fun of me, dragging me, dragging me over the coals. No, I didn't have a psychiatrist. I, no one, no psychologist, you know, NBC Universal didn't get me a psychologist and say, hey, this is what's going to happen to you after your show comes out. People are going to come for you. And, you know, you may want to be prepared. I had n- nothing. Then Style Network went bankrupt in the United States, so we didn't get a season two. But of course, no one said that. So everyone thought like my show sucked and that's why we didn't get a season two, which wasn't true. And then the head of my um, production company called me and just pretty much told me like, you know, that's the end, kid. Wrap it up. Like didn't say like why or what or anything. Then I was still on a press junket traveling all over the world, doing Dr. Oz, doing this show, doing that show, promoting the show, even knowing that like there's no season two. All of my friends on the show started to turn on me. It was a lot. In the midst of this, I'm still the official trainer for Miss Universe, Miss America, and Miss um, Miss USA. So I'm still working like 100 hours a week. I have Katie Boyd's Miss Fit Club in Wellesley, Massachusetts. I'm training people fucking from four o'clock in the morning to 11 o'clock every night. My dog is having seizures. Um, I'm sleeping with a crowbar underneath my bed because I was so petrified that my ex was going to come and try to hurt me or kill me or do something terrible to me. Um, the, it, it wasn't until Again, this is like an hour of me talking to you about all the fucking shit that went on in my life because I want you guys to fucking know the real Katie, the real deal ambitious, why ambitious came to be and how you are going to fix your boss bitch burnout. So now I'm making money, okay? I'm fucking living this life. Like I swept off my feet by my Prince Charming, my husband, now Matt. He is so protective of me. He's spiritual. He's divine masculine. He protects me. I had never experienced anything like that in my life. We were trying, we got engaged. We're trying to get married. Um, our wedding shit was a disaster. That's why we ended up eloping in Maui. Highly recommend, by the way. Don't fucking have a big wedding and pay for all these mongrels to eat your food and drink your booze. Just go take the money and go fucking elope. You and the person and call it a fucking day. It was the best thing I ever did. But something tweaked out in me around this time. It was like every fucking thing that I had ever went through in my life all accumulated and just fucking came crashing down on me. And when I was supposed to be my absolute best, when I fell in love with my Prince Charming, when I was finally protected, when I was finally strong enough, when I was finally in like a healthy, loving relationship, my whole life kind of fell apart. I don't know if it was because I could take a breath. I don't know if it's because I could take a breath. I don't know if it's because my body could only take so much and it finally hit like that like one little drop sent the deluge over the side of the cup. I don't really truly know what happened. But when I really felt my that I should have been my best in my life is when my whole life just collapsed. Um, I had this crazy spiritual awakening, which is why I'm here now speaking in front of you. I learned how to meditate. Um, I cut practically everybody out of my life that was from my old life, even my parents, because I was like, I have to almost like isolate myself from everyone so that I can like heal. Um, I stopped talking to my friends on the show one of them had a really bad drug problem. The other one, um, 
I don't really think cared about me all that much. I think that, that, that she was along for the ride, you know, and I moved my whole entire business up to, well, this is after my landlord exposed his penis to one of my workers. That's a whole different story for a different day. I closed my, my gym down. I moved my gym up to my husband's studio in Hudson, New Hampshire. Um, and I was killing it. Like from the outside, I looked like I was like a celebrity. I looked like I was killing it. I was, I had it all figured out. I was making money. I was doing this. I was doing that. And none of that was true. Like, yeah, I was making money. I was doing those things, but like, I was like at my worst, worst, worst. And so when I had my spiritual awakening in 2011, right after the wrap of the show, I started to slowly do the work to uncover like why I'm so fucked up and like why I keep attracting these horrible men and why I keep attracting these horrible people that just want to use me and abuse me in my life. And I left the pageant world, which was a, you know, everyone's like, you're committing business suicide. How can you leave the pageant world? I was like, this just doesn't feel right to me anymore. I feel like that I'm um, participating in the takedown of women. I just, and, and remember I had been doing pageants. I was a little girl and the people that were in the pageant industry were like my family and they all turned their backs on me. None of them would speak to me anymore because I didn't want to do the pageant stuff anymore. And I had to like rebrand my whole entire self. And I remember I was meditating one day and that's where God gave me the idea to rebrand myself and do this whole ambitious movement, which is what I'm doing now. So fast forward to, you know, 2017 and 18, I was like living my best life in my head. I was like, I am with the man of my dreams. I have this wonderful stepdaughter who, you know, I didn't even have to like have a child to like actually have this amazing child. Um, I was writing my book. I was, I had a PR company. We were getting ready for a worldwide book tour. I was like doing all the right things. Then you fast forward to 2019. I remember going away from my 40th, 39th birthday and we were in New York and we were at the um, Mandarin Oriental and we were like, you know, going to La Bernadette and we were like doing all these amazing things for my birthday. And Matt's like, I'm just so proud of you. You're going to, you're going to kill it. Your book is going to be such a success. Like, the whole world is going to change for all of us. Like this is going to be the, all of your hard work, all the things that you went to through in your life, all of the abuse, everything. It's like redemption. Like you are going to come like the Phoenix rising from the ashes. This is your year. <laughs> and that was February of 2020. So obviously, you know what I'm going to say next. This little thing called COVID happened. When COVID happened, Everything in my life, all my speaking engagements, my book tour, my PR stuff, everything got canceled as everything got canceled for everybody that's listening to the Ambitious Podcast. And then I went into total fucking self-preservation mode where I was just trying to hold on to our businesses and hold on to my husband's business and shuck and jive and juggle all the balls and, you know, make sure I wasn't getting canceled and, you know, make, make sure my black friends felt like I was an ally to them, even though my husband's black and, you know, uh, tell them why I'm not posting a black square on my Instagram and fighting with friends and losing friends. And then the, then the separatism of the vaccinations and the not vaccinated vaxxed people and, you know, 
Um, people were going ham on us because we didn't close early enough because of COVID. And that meant we didn't care about our clients and just like all this crazy shit. So I feel like for the last three years, and this isn't just for me, guys, this is for everybody out there. I feel like the last three years that we've all lived, we have been narcissistically gaslit and we all have brain damage from it. And I don't care what side of the fence politically you're on. It has nothing to do with that. This is 100% about how we as a collective in this world were just gaslit, told that we're crazy. We were corralled like animals. We were treated like trash. And most of us lost businesses. We lost loved ones. We lost friendships over this. Our whole way of living just got taken out from underneath us. And what happened to me is when I was going through this, as many of you out there were, I was drinking like a fucking animal. I was not working out. I was not taking care of myself. I was just trying my best to like keep all the balls up in the air. And I gained like 40 pounds. My husband gained like 40 pounds. Pretty much everybody I know gained like 40 pounds. Um, People ended up, you know, with alcohol addiction, with drug addiction, with gambling addiction, with porn addiction, with all kinds of fucking weird addictions and afflictions. And, you know, Matt said to me the other day, he goes, you know, Katie, if you really think about it, about it, if we gained weight, we kind of made out easy because we're both fitness professionals. My husband's a two-time world champion fighter. I own a gym. I'm a nutritionist. I know what the fuck I'm doing. He's like, we actually made out pretty damn great. Most other people didn't. And I was like, yeah, I understand that. But what I do really know is that for a lot of people being slow, like actually having to slow down and actually having to sit with yourself for the last couple of years, depending on like where, wherever you're listening from, like what your town or city or state or even country like made you do during the pandemic when you have to sit with yourself and you actually have to hear the voices in your head and you have to face what you've gone through and you have to face the trauma and you have to heal from all those core wounds and you have to really do a deep dive into yourself. It's fucking scary. And I, and I had a lot of friends commit suicide and I had a lot of friends that, you know, got divorced and I had a lot of friends that like went fucking, you know, clockwork orange and like one flew over the fucking cuckoo's nest. Okay. So I am not saying that I had it bad. I did not. Knowing what I know now and being out of it for a little bit, I actually got off pretty much scot-free. But one thing that I really had to do is I had to hold the mirror up to myself and be really honest, like where I'm at and what I want the rest of my life to look like and feel like. And I used to use, I used to wear this boss bitch like energy, this like ma- like masculine, like hustle, grind energy is like this badge of honor. And I'm here to tell you that that had been, out of all the things that I've been through in my life, wearing that as a badge of honor has been the most abusive and the most detri- detrimental to my f- physical, spiritual, emotional, psychological, and energetic health. And so if you just listened to the last hour and 10 minutes of this podcast and you really heard the words coming out of my mouth. You know that I'm not telling you any of these stories to play the victim, 
I'm simply telling you these stories because I want you to understand that I understand what you're going through because I've been there and we can heal from this. And I'm going to teach you how I'm doing it. I want to fill you in on how I'm healing and I want deeply for you to heal as well. Okay? So how do we heal from this boss bitch burnout? How do we heal from 20, 30, 40, 50 years of abuse and narcissism and gaslighting and sadness and fear and programming and not enoughness and low self-esteem and low self-confidence and all the things that all of us collectively and singularly deal with. I'm going to tell you, this is what I'm doing. So even if you adopt a handful of these things, you're going to be ambitious. And my also my big promise for you, from me to you, is I'm showing up now in a very different way. And if you don't like it, I understand that like this is different from the normal Katie boy that you've been listening to for the last, you know, six years. And that's okay. I appreciate you for being here for the time being. I appreciate you sharing this podcast and telling all your friends about it. But if this is too much for you, I, I totally understand. And then, like I said, go find less, and that's okay too. So, how am I healing? Well, I have 20 things that I'm doing and I'm going to walk you through them, okay? So the first thing that I'm doing is breath work. Every day doing breath work. Breath work, something so simple. Like breath is in our body every moment of the day. I've been doing breath work for a really long time. I've done, I've done uh, worked with Wim Hof, uh, but most recently I've been working with Dr. Ahmet Anand, who is going to be coming on the podcast. Um, him and his colleague, Clint Valadaris, started this company called Breathinance. I cannot wait for them to come on the podcast. But it's the sequence of breathing techniques that I do before my meditation. And that has healed me on such a cellular level. And my meditations are so deep. And I just feel like I can deal with more shit during the day and not get so like crazy and like and feral i just can deal with more stress and it doesn't feel like stress anymore which is really cool so number 1 breath work i teach a lot of this breath work on my app but like i said dr ahmet is going to be coming out with his own stuff too and he will be on the podcast so stay tuned for that it's coming up very soon the second thing is i've been healing um my pelvic floor this is so crazy so Another little crazy story. So I had a sing at this fundraiser when I was Mr. Bedford. And I had like this little tiny sports car and it was snowing. And I said to my boyfriend at the time, the abusive prick that threw me down the stairs and choked me out and bit my nose, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I said, hey, can I, can I take your big truck? He had like a big Harley Davidson truck. And he's like, yeah, take it, whatever. Because I just felt more comfortable in it. And I had left this fundraiser and I was on uh, a highway going back to my home and I got in a really bad car accident where someone hit me, sent me off the road into a ravine on the side of the road and I was hanging by my throat by the seatbelt and it broke my thyroid cartilage. It damaged um, a huge percentage of my vocal cords. I had to learn how to speak again. I had to learn how to sing again. 
Um, it was not a good year of my life. It was um, when I was Miss New Bedford and I was going, I think like maybe six months later to compete in Miss Massachusetts America. And I'll never forget when he showed up to, <laughs> I'll never forget when he showed up to the car accident. And instead of being like, are you all right? He was so mad at me that his car was crashed. And he actually made me drive home with the tow truck guy. And I was like coughing up blood. No one brought me to the hospital. No ambulance came. I think about this shit now. I'm like, you fuck motherfucker. Anyways, the next day, because I was getting ready for Miss Massachusetts, he's like, um, I know you probably don't feel well, but uh, you need to get your ass to the gym because you've got to go dead. It's deadlifting day. And I was like, I can hardly fucking stand. I can hardly walk. And he's like, get your fucking ass to the gym. So I go into the gym deadlift. I'm warming up. I'm okay. I go to pull the first big amount of weight. I felt something snap in my back and I literally crawled into my car and went to the hospital and I damaged my back. And I had all from that day, I had always dealt with debilitating back pain, like debilitating. And when I started doing a lot of my healing work over the last year, I said to myself, I'm going to fix this back pain once and for all. I mean, I've had nerve blocks. I've had all kinds of shit on my back, like crazy, crazy, crazy to the point where, and when I do my transformational videos, um, I'm going to actually show, show you in the videos and in the pictures of how like my whole body's like almost like scoliosis now, because I've had, I've had to like hold myself in a very weird pattern because of my back pain. And so I said to myself, part of healing this back pain and excuse me, part of healing myself is healing this back pain once and for all, because every time my back hurts, it reminds me of that car accident. It reminds me of that day deadlifting and it reminds me of him. And I know this is fucking dramatic, but this is just how our psyche works. So I went to my girl, Sam Zimmerman, who helped me when I tore my plantar fascia in my foot. And I was like, girl, I got to heal this back pain once and for all. I just want to really be done with it. And she started asking me these questions and I was like, yeah, actually. And she's like, do you this? And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, what about that? And I'm like, mm-hmm. And she's like, and this? And I'm like, yep. And she's like, I don't think you have a back problem. I think you have a pelvic floor problem. Now, I'm a Reiki master teacher. And I understand how we can trap emotions and, and trauma in our bodies. I'm not dumb. I understand that on a very deep level. But I never put like emotional trauma with my back pain together and it be in my pelvic floor. So I started working with Samantha um, on my pelvic floor. And I've totally healed 20 years of back pain in three months. I know this sounds crazy. I know this sounds wild. And when, and when Sammy comes on the podcast in a couple of weeks, you're going to be like blown away. Um, we're also doing a pelvic floor. I don't even know an event, I guess at her place in Wyndham. She just opened um, elite PT and um, it's open to the public and it's totally free. So if you would like to come to that, if you're in like the Southern New Hampshire, Massachusetts area and, and you listen to that podcast and you're like, fuck, I think I have pelvic floor problems, hit me up. Obviously, when the podcast comes out, you will have more information on that. But like I have healed my pelvic floor in three months just working with Samantha, like twice, three times a week tops. And I feel like that is helping me with this boss bitch burnout because what I would do is I would just be like, I don't give a fuck. I'm just going to go to the gym and just like work through the pain. And like, that is not the way that we should be as women handling a pain. But I also remember my childhood and it was like, when you'd cry, my mom would be like, if you don't stop crying, like I'll give you something to cry about. Or, you know, 
like you'd be in line and my mother would like pinch the back of my arm, like shut your mouth, you know? And like you, and then as you get older, you say, well, I have a really high pain threshold. And it's like, why are we proud of that? Wow. Cause you've been abused your whole life. Now you have a high pain threshold. Cool. Like, I don't know. I just, I don't, I want to be a divine feminine woman. I don't want to be this boss bitch, like work through the pain, hustle, grind, push. Like that is not working for me anymore. And if you're out there and you're like, fuck, this sounds just like me. Listen to the words that are coming out of my mouth and work on healing your pelvic floor. And I have the best people for that. So reach out to me, DM me um, on Instagram, or you can email me at help at kbmc.com if you want to be part of that. Number three, as you guys know, I meditate every day, but I have been taking my meditation so much more seriously. And again, just like the breath work, it's helping me just get more connected with like who I truly am. Like I am a child of the most high God. I am not a human. I am a, I'm a spiritual being having this human experience and meditation helps me deeply with that. Um, we teach, I teach meditation in my events. I teach meditation on my app. So if you're like, I really want to learn how to meditate, come on to the ambitious app. You will find a treasure trove of meditations, even guided meditations, yoga nidras, um, death meditation, inner child healing meditation, like you name it, it's, it's all there. And I also tr teach mantra meditation. Um, meditation is the key to healing boss bitch burnout. I, I promise you. And it's not like this thing is like, oh, I'm going to biohack, so I'm going to meditate. No, it it's so much deeper than that. I can't tell you how much. Number four, how I'm healing my boss bitch burnout is my habituals are number one. So if you follow me on Instagram or you're on my app, you guys see a lot of like what I do every day. You know, like I wake up in the morning, I have my bone broth, I set my intentions, I do my breath work, I do my meditation, um, I have my life boost coffee, I do my journaling, I do my shadow work, I pull my cards, I do my blessing, I work out, you know, I eat a certain way, um, I do certain things on certain days. Those are my habituals. Those things that I do every day, like I also call it my bitch list, which are the five things that if you do every day that makes you feel like an ambitious woman. And you just say, if I just do these five things every day, I'm going to feel like a million bucks. Ambituals first before anything. Because let's, let's be honest, work is always going to be there. And I notice, like so many of the women I work with, like they get up first thing in the morning, they have their cup of coffee and they go straight to work. And it's like, no. You got to fill up your cup first because no one is coming to save you and no one's going to say to you, you know, you should really do your habituals before you go to work and help other people because then you won't feel like such a resentful bitch. No one's going to say that to you. So doing my habituals before anything else, before looking at my phone, before helping other people, before work is number one to healing my uh, boss bitch burnout. Number five, working out every day. Um, I'm going to do a whole podcast about this in the next couple of weeks. I'm going to talk about my meal plans and my and my workout plans, but saying every day, like, I'm going to move my body. So like, usually Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays, so five days a week, I lift weights. I do resistance training. Um, and then on Wednesdays and Thursdays, I get up in the morning and I do some kind of cardio. So it could be rucking or it could be my elliptical or it could be my hydro rower or whatever. And then at night I do kickboxing because I'm going for my black belt, even though I'm still a white belt. Don't tell anybody <laughs> with my husband. He's an amazing kickboxing instructor. And then on the days that I, so then Monday, Tuesday, 
Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I do some sort of cardio and usually it's rucking. You guys always see that I'm always posting my rucking on Instagram. And so that's what I do. And that's my workout because I say to myself, like, I am number one. I want to be strong and I want to be healthy. And so no matter what happens, I am prepared for war. I am prepared for anything bad to happen to me. I am strong. I'm powerful because that's the thing is like, if your life is falling apart, you know, a parent dies or you lose your dog or, you know, some accident happens or some act of God happens, right? I'm telling you right now, if you are strong and powerful physically and mentally, you're going to be so much more equipped to deal with that shit. So number five of how I'm healing my boss bitch burnout is training every day. Okay. Every day. Number six, this kind of goes along with the workout, but food. I was before, um, before the pandemic, I was doing a lot of fasting and what, and at the time it worked for me, but now I'm revert kind of reverse dieting where I'm eating, you know, four meals a day ish, sometimes two, sometimes four. It just really depends on like what I'm doing that day and whatever. Um, but I'm focusing on protein and um, greens that agree with my body and some kind of fat source, whether it's butter or it's like olive oil or whatever. I'm taking, you know, um, in protein powders, collagen powders and things like that because I, again, want to put food in my body that's going to support muscle growth and support being strong and powerful. And I don't want to feel like, you know, as we get older, our muscle tone as women, they, it just starts to decrease. You just start to look like a soggy fucking floppy tit and it's the worst. I don't know if you feel that way, but I don't like it. Um, you start to see like your skin gets a little crepey and you get a little dimpled. No, thank you. So eating the right food for your body to support your hormones, to support muscle growth and to support just staying in shape because God knows I gained like 40 pounds over COVID. So I'm slowly, um, I've already released probably about like 15 of those pounds since I really got serious about this healing, this boss bitch burnout. And my goal, and I'll talk about this on another podcast really in depth, but my goal is, you know, to even lose more body fat than that 40 pounds. And I want to get myself into like real, I want people to look at me and go, wow, she's the face of fitness over 40. Like that's my, that's my goal for this year. Number seven is supplements. I'm not going to get into all the supplements I take, but every day I make sure that I am hydrating, that I am, um, you know, taking my magnesium, my potassium. I talk a lot about my vitamin vitamins on the app. Sometimes I'll even on Instagram, like share like my vitamin drawer with you guys. I'm sure you guys have seen that before, but supplementation is so important. We just don't get enough supplementation through the food that we eat because most of us are living in places where, you know, you can't always get organic food. And even the food that is organic, like, is it really that great? Probably not. So supplementation is key. Number eight is sleep. Dude, I have been sleeping and I'm not even trying to make you guys laugh like 10 hours a night and I am loving it. I go to bed at like nine o'clock the latest and I feel fucking amazing. Um, before when I was in this like huge cycle of burnout, I was not sleeping well. I was drinking a lot of alcohol. So I was up all night pissing. I was sweating at night. I was like always hot. I just like always felt shitty in the morning when I woke up. Um, I would force myself to stay up and watch more shows and shit. And like, it wasn't good. It was just all like a fear fucking response. So sleep is so huge to me. My husband's a self-proclaimed night owl. And he's like, I can't believe you're going to bed so early. I'm like, 
sorry, buddy. I don't want to fucking, I don't want to fall apart, dude. I'm really trying to heal this in myself. Um, the next thing, number nine, this is so huge and I cannot wait for my doctor to come on the podcast. He's going to be coming on in late, late January, early February. But I started working with Men's Health Boston, Dr. Applebaum. He is not only a Harvard trained physician in hormones and endocrinology, but also he's a cardiologist, which is so cool. Um, Matt started going to him first. And then I was like, wow, my husband's like a different person. Like, do they see women too? And he's like, I actually think that they do. I went in to go see Dr. Applebaum. He asked me some really amazing questions. He ran all of my blood panels. And I went back a couple weeks later and he's like, you know, your hormones look great, but your testosterone's in the shitter. So no wonder why, you know, and we're going to talk a lot about this on the podcast, but no wonder why, like, he didn't say it like this. He's actually very professional, <laughs> but he's like, you know, no wonder why sex hurts and like your vagina is dry and you know, you have no sex drive and you're turning into a big Michelin tire baby, no matter how much you work out and how much you like calorie restrict and like how much you fast. And I just felt like brain fog all the time. My sleep was disrupted. I just had no gumption. And who would have known that a little, little tiny tic-tac implant in your cheek of your ass of testosterone for me, I'm not saying that this is your problem. You could have another issue with your hormones, but who would have known that this whole thing would just change my life in every way, shape, and form. So I started in July doing this hormone replacement therapy with him. And then about a month ago, I started taking Samorolin, which is a precursor to growth hormone, which actually helps with like... Um, muscle growth and skin and just like overall like healing. Like when you work out, you don't get as sore. It's really amazing. And um, it's not super convenient. You have to like with some, some Moralin, you have to like shoot yourself up every day. But I don't give a fuck because listen, I did it with rusty fucking needles in the 2000s and with illegal steroids and shit and illegal growth hormone. I'd rather have a doctor prescribe this to me. So he's going to be coming on and talking all about what he's doing with me and what he can help you with. And that has been helping me immensely. I feel like a different person. I feel like I have my mojo back. And not just like sexual mojo. I'm talking about like mojo in every way, like helping my clients. And I really like feel rejuvenated and like what I'm doing. And I don't know, it just feels so good. And I'm sleeping well and I'm putting on muscle. And I just really am happy right now with myself. And I want all of you guys to be happy too. So you may have a hormone imbalance and not even know it. Number 10, how I'm healing my boss bitch burnout. Saying fucking no, no is a complete sentence. If you haven't listened to this podcast yet, go back to no is a complete sentence in the bitches podcast. But I can't tell you how many people just ask me for shit all fucking day long. And now the answer is no. It's no, 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 no. Unless the the ask is a quid pro quo, like, hey, I'm going to do this for you, but I want you to do this for me. Then I'm like, okay, let's have a conversation about that. But like most of it is just like these one-sided asks. And it's like, I have... I don't even have a minute in my day to like wipe my ass after I take a shit. Like, and now I gonna throw 10 more things in in a day, like reading fucking emails from people that just want shit from me. And there's no give. I'm just like, I'm sick of it. So like, no is a complete sentence. That's going to help you heal your boss bitch burnout beyond belief. Number 11 is immaculate boundaries, having immaculate boundaries. What does that mean? Just like, saying to people like, this is what I expect from you. This is what you should expect from me. 
if I fuck up, I want you to tell me. And if you fuck up, I'm certainly going to tell you. And keeping your boundaries immaculate. Because what I did notice is when I was doing all my research for my attachment style, because I'm a fearful avoidant, I noticed that when I only put boundaries on people when I'm angry, and then as I get less angry, the boundaries slip. And then I get angry again, and I reinforce the boundaries. So I look like a wishy-washy psychopath. And it's not because I'm a wishy-washy psychopath. It's because I have fearful avoidant attachment style from my childhood. So I have to deprogram that. And part of that is having immaculate boundaries. Number 12, protecting your energy. I talk a lot about about this on the podcast, talk a lot about this in the app, talk a lot about this in my book, Ambitious. Cloaking every day, cord cutting every day. That's all I'm going to say. If you don't know what it is, buy my book because this is just insane. I mean, this is like some of the oldest shit in the book. Number 13, how I'm healing my boss bitch burnout. Mel Robbins, who I adore, she's a Boston girl too. I don't know if she was actually born in Boston, but I know she's like a Boston girl at heart. Um, She has this whole thing that she's writing a book on right now called The Let Them. And it's like, oh, you know, because like people like me, we want to like save everybody. We want to help the world, right? And like we get so upset about what everyone else is doing. So it's like, oh, like your best friend is married to this asshole who abuses her, but she doesn't want to fucking get out of the relationship. Let them oh, like your husband doesn't want to work out and he wants to have baloney tits and he just wants to drink fucking Budweiser's all night and like just never go to work. Okay, let them. Oh, like this didn't happen or that you want to manipulate that person over there. No, no, no. Just let them do what the fuck that they're going to do. And it just, it just liberates you from just like trying to manipulate and control people all the time and trying to be like that savior all the time because empathy can be a killer. I'm an empath. I feel everyone's energy. I feel how sad people are, how mad people are, how scared people are. Like every feeling that people feel, I feel it too, but it hurts me in return. So let them just say it. Anytime you start wanting to control people, manipulate people, try to make them do what you want them to do, just say, no, let them. And I'm telling you, it's going to change your life. So thank you, Mel Robbins out there, wherever you are. Would love to have you on the Bitches podcast. I'd also love to be on your podcast to talk about the Bitches movement. But let them. Now, number 14, I'm going to explain this really quick because this could be like a whole podcast itself, but it's called the Eisenhower Productivity Matrix. And this is how um, I am saving my fucking life right now because I have so much shit going on. I'm actually going to um, create like a little PDF that you can download. So if you don't get my weekly newsletters, go over to kbmfc.com in the show notes or just go to kbmfc.com and put in your name and your um, email address and I will send you this so you can do it yourself. But it's called the Eisenhower Matrix of Productivity. Okay? And so Eisenhower was our president like a million years ago. And so what he would do, because he was in the military, he was a high-ranking person in the military and how he would like make decisions because I'll give you an example. The other day I had, I use this productivity app called Asana. I do it with all of my mentorship clients, my one-on-one business coaching clients. I use it a lot with my assistants and my business manager and my social media manager and all the people that I work with on my team. I use Asana. And I had like 300 fucking things on my to-do list. And every time I would go into my Asana, I would start to fucking panic and I would get like paralyzed and I wouldn't even know what the first thing to do was. And so I was listening to, I think it was Ryan Holiday who wrote The Obstacle is the Way, great book. 
he was talking about the Eisenhower matrix. And so I started doing this with myself and I'm telling you, it changes the game guys. So you make a square and then in those, in that big square, you make four other boxes. Okay. Now the first box says important and urgent. So these are the things you have to do first. Like this is very important and it's also extremely urgent. Now you also have this box that's not important, but is urgent. So think about how you can take the not important and the urgent and delegate it out to someone on your team or your husband or your child or a friend or a family member or whatever. Then you have a box that is important but not urgent. So that's like you schedule it like later on down the road. And then you have the last and final box, which is my favorite, where a lot of the shit that I had in my Asana went because a lot of it is just fucking bullshit. It's not important and it's not urgent, so you delete it. And so deleting it means getting rid of it altogether. Or what I did with a lot of the things is I put it on the back burner. Like I said, like that would be fun. Like maybe next year, let's just like put it over here in the not important and the not urgent. So we're not going to delete it. We're not going to get rid of it, but we're just going to put it on the back burner. And that has been helping me immensely just with how burnt out I was and how I felt like a chicken with my head cut off running around all over the place. Eisenhower productivity matrix. The next way that I'm healing my boss bitch burnout is really, really, really surrounding myself with like-minded community. That's why I created the Ambitious app. That's why I have all these fabulous events at my studio. That's why I do all these events and speaking engagements and retreats. This is why I do the podcast. This is why I do keep Instagram. This is why I do keep TikTok for these reasons because community is everything for me. And the more people that I have in my community cheering me on and the more people that I'm cheering on, it just feels like there's a reason to really be alive. So supportive community is helping me truly heal from my boss bitch burnout. Number 16 is culling and curating. Culling and curating everything. Culling and curating the the clothes that you put on, the food in your fridge, the, the supplements you take, the people that you hang out with, all the things that are just cluttery and overkill. Like, why do you need 75 black shirts that look exactly the same? You should be able to go into your fucking wardrobe or your closet and just like get dressed in 3.2 seconds. Everything should look good on you. Everything should be your style. Everything should fit you perfectly. And if it doesn't, then you need to go and do what we call in the Ambitious App Project Light. I have a whole entire tab in the Ambitious app and in A28P, I actually have daily Ambitious Light acts. So it's like, you know, going into your fucking junk door and cleaning it out, going through your sock drawer, cleaning it out, just doing a little thing every day. So it doesn't feel like a mountain of shit. It just feels like these little things that you do every day to cull and to curate. And that is helping me just feel so much more in control of the way I feel every day. And it helps me not feel so overwhelmed because overwhelm leads to burnout. Am I right? Number 17, checking in with Matt. Okay, so you may have a friend, you may not be married. You may have a significant other, you may have a best friend or a sister or a brother or whatever that you're really close to. Having like these weekly check-ins. So I check in weekly with my best friend, Victoria Duke Smolinski. I check in with my husband. I have certain people that I check in with that just feel good. It keeps me on task. They remind me of my goals. 
We co-create together. We dream and scheme as Victoria calls it. And it just feels like people are hearing me. They're listening to me. They care about what I'm doing. And they're also allies to me. So if I'm acting like a foolish bitch, they're going to fucking call me to the carpet. We need more people in our lives that are going to tell us the fucking truth. We don't need more friends like Bedros Koulian. If you haven't listened to his podcast, he's amazing. But Bedros Koulian um, you know, he talks about, I don't want friends. I want allies. Like I want my hu- my wife to sit me down and go, listen, you piece of shit with your baloney tits, you fat piece of shit. What the fuck are you doing? Get to the gym. He's like, I don't want my wife to be like, no, I love you just the way you are. You're so good. You're, you know, whatever. Maybe you can lose a couple pounds, but it's not that big of a deal, you know? And this is not body shaming, by the way. This is like real deal talk, right? You want people around you that are going to tell you the truth and they're going to call you to the fucking carpet. Number 18. Say what you mean and mean what you say. The other day, Matt was complaining to me about something with work. And I was like, stop fucking telling me that. And you tell the person that and you say exactly like you just said to me. And he's like, no way. And I was like, yes way. And he did. And he goes, I am so glad you told me to do it because it ended up perfectly working out. And I was like, see, because when you say what you mean and you mean what you say, no one can beat around the bush. No one can like assume that's what you mean. It's just like, no, this is how it's going to be. This is how I want it. If you don't like it, I don't know what to tell you. And I've been doing the same exact thing. I've been doing it with my clients. I've been doing it with my friends. I've been doing it with everybody. And it just feels like so much more straightforward. So there's not all this like weird energy around everything where it's like, well, does she really mean that? Or does she mean that? Or does she mean what she said? Or did she said, it's like, no, yes, this is what I said. And I mean what I say and I say what I mean. So that's number 18. <laughs> number 19, how to heal from boss bitch burnout. Totally dissociate. If you guys follow me on Instagram at Katie Boyd Ambitious, some days, which is probably what I'm going to do, right after I finish this podcast is I'm going to go disassociate. I'm going to take an hour. I'm going to get myself a little snacky snack, high protein snacky snack. And I'm going to go sit in front of the television with my little baby doggy wrapped up in a little swaddling blanket. And I'm going to get the clicker as we call it in the Northeast. And I am going to watch the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City marathon or whatever the fuck it is for an hour. And I am going to totally disassociate I'm not going to look at my phone. I'm not going to take phone calls. I'm going to just eat my snack and I'm going to watch the fucking bitches fight. And I can't wait. Sometimes we got to do that. That is what is going to spare us from burnout. It's just like sitting and like drooling on ourselves and watching a good movie. Last night I watched um, She Devil with Roseanne Barr and Meryl Streep and I think Ed Begley Jr. was in it. And so it was from the 80s. It's one of my favorite fucking movies in the world. And Matt's like, really? We're going to watch this movie? Like, what the fuck is this? And Matt ended up loving it. But I was just like, this is how I fucking disassociate. Read a book. Maybe you disassociate by reading a book. Maybe you have a hobby that you can disassociate. And I know disassociation in in psychological terms has like a negative connotation. You're not supposed to disassociate because that means it's a trauma response. But sometimes you just need to drool on yourselves with a snack and watch television or immerse yourself in a hobby. And the last thing that I want you to think about to heal from this boss bitch burnout, to get out of this grind, to heal your mental illness that you've just acquired over the last couple of years, or maybe even your whole lifetime, like I just told you. Life review. Number one, do death meditation. You don't have time to fuck around. I have it in my book. I have it on my app. It's amazing. It's life-changing. Ask anyone that's ever done it. It will change your life. 
But the second thing after the death meditation, after you do all the journaling and you do the meditation and all that, is I want you to think about when you die and you go up to wherever your soul goes in the afterlife, and you, I believe that God lets you review your life and then he shows you a second review. Like if you healed, if you made better decisions, if you just said no, if you did more of the things that I just said on this top 20 list, you could have been this. And that's one of my greatest, and I'm not a fearful person, but that's one of my greatest fears in life is dying and then seeing who I could have been if only I tried, if only I made better decisions, if only I said no more, if only my boundaries more were more immaculate, if only I took better care of myself. And I don't want that for anyone here. So thank you guys. This was a long podcast, but the true blue bitches are going to be here for the long haul. And I hope that listening to my story, and that's just really scraping. That's just like scraping the surface of like all the things that I've gone through in my life. But again, I told you these stories because I want you to understand, A, why I've been so burnt out, why I let myself go, why I did all these things. And then to also show you, if you just take these tools that I teach you and you implement them into your own life, that you too can heal. And that's my major goal. Now, I really don't have sponsors here. Yeah, like Life Boost Coffee gives me a couple of dollars every time someone buys a fucking bag of coffee, but it's it's not really like lighting the world on fire. And I try to keep this as ad-free as possible. So my one ask for everyone out there in ambitious land is to please share this with your friends, your family members, share it on Instagram, share it on your Facebook, share it on social media and tag me in it. Um, because my deepest desire in life is to really have ambitious be a movement of all these like-minded humans from all across the globe. And so the only ask is just please share this make this podcast known to everybody because I know it will help so many people just listening to the stories and listening to the tools and taking those tools and implementing them. Thank you for hanging on for such a long podcast, but I hope it was worth it. I love each and every one of you from the bottom of my little black heart. And don't forget to stay ambitious and I will see you next Tuesday.